Gabriella, a researcher who has done extensive work with microscopic photography, gave a TED talk a few years ago in which she talked about what the ashes of living organisms look like when they're viewed under a microscope. It turns out that ashes from plants or animals or even people, when viewed under a microscope, are not colorless and gray. Gabriella, in her TED talk, explained that ashes from living beings under a microscope look like the entire universe. The first time Gabriella looked at human ashes under a microscope, she said it was more like she was peering through a telescope pointed at the sky. Instead of seeing ashes, she saw what looked like multicolored nebula, similar to what you'd see in a photograph from the, from the Hubble telescope. She saw a, a turquoise band. She saw this interrupted by something that looked like a purple meteor shower. She saw clouds of white and darkness spotted by what looked like planets that were blue and pink and red and yellow. Ashes, whether they are the cremains of a person or whether they are the ashes of a palm frond, like the ashes we will see later today, are much, much more than dead, inert stuff. 13.8 billion years ago, the universe began with a big bang. Within just one second, the universe cooled enough so that the first particles could begin to form. Over the next few hundred thousand years, these particles coalesced to make the first atoms, the simple atoms of hydrogen and helium. Over the next few hundred thousand years, gravity began to form swirling gases into large disks that eventually were pulled together, forming the first stars. And billions of primordial stars began to appear in the universe, casting out the first light. Inside the cores of these stars, new elements were made nitrogen and carbon and oxygen. In his book, Cosmos, Carl Sagan explains it this way. The nitrogen in our DNA, the calcium in our teeth, the iron in our blood, and even the carbon in our apple pies were made in the interior of collapsing stars. We are made of star stuff. Our Book of Common Prayer uses a phrase that you will hear today, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But one of the worship guides of the Unitarian Church borrows this phrase and tweaks it, saying ashes to ashes, stardust to stardust. In short, you are composed of elements that began to be formed over 13 billion years ago, and even more so than that, our faith tells us that God knew every hair on your head or every hair that used to be on your head before you were born, before the universe began, 
before time even came into existence. And yet, we spend our days worrying about the 11 items that we have to get done today because they cannot wait until tomorrow. Or we get frustrated because we're in the grocery store and we know the cashier is taking three minutes longer than she should be taking to check out that person in front of us. Or we get angry when we're in traffic because the car in front of us stops for a yellow light that we know we could have made it through and we don't have time to wait for the lights to cycle through to green again. In short, we lose sight of the big picture. We get upset with things that we shouldn't worry about. We forget the billions of years of preparation that led to each of our lives. We forget that we are children of the King of Kings. Therefore, our invitation this Lent is to foster a broader, a more expansive, a more comprehensive vision of our lives. That is exactly why we're called to give alms and to pray and to fast. That is what Jesus called us to do in the reading today. We're meant to give alms because we know when one person is struggling, when one part of the body of Christ is suffering, that has ramifications for all of us. We're called to have this grander vision and remember that we are bound together with all of humanity. We're called to pray, to meditate, to read the Bible, as a way of remembering and reminding ourselves that we are connected to the creator of all that is. We are connected to the divine. That is the grander vision we are called to have. And we're called to fast as a way of remembering that we are so much more than just what we take in and consume. We are called to have this grander vision. And yet you and I lose sight so often of this vision God has for our lives. And frankly, humanity has always done this. We become narrow-minded and selfish and myopic. And instead of fasting to remind ourselves that we're connected to something greater, we treat fasting as an opportunity to show off for others. And instead of praying to remind ourselves of our connection to the divine, we pray to flaunt our faith. And instead of giving our resources because we genuinely care about others, we give them as a way to build up our own influence and power. For example, we'll give money to the local museum and then expect them to buy the sort of art that we like. And in doing all this, we've lost sight of God's vision for our lives, God's calling for our lives. So Jesus came to live among us, in part, in part, to call us back to an awareness of our true selves, of who we were called to be. In short, he told us that we were worrying about things that don't matter, and we were, and we were forgetting the things that do matter. In the Gospel passage today, you may have noticed that, G that when Jesus was talking about fasting and praying and giving alms, he didn't say, if you fast, if you pray, if you give alms, 
Instead, he said, when, when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms, Jesus is assuming we're going to do all these things, which is a good, strong call for us to do them. But his question is, when we do these things, why are we doing them? What is our goal? What is the reason behind these spiritual disciplines? Are we trying to gain a little bit of influence and power and control for ourselves? Are we trying to show off for others? Or are we really trying to be the people God is calling us to become? Now, I do want to say I am aware there are realities to this life. I know we all have schedules that we need to keep at times, and we all have tasks that do have deadlines. I know that most of us can't go spend all our days sitting on the beach meditating from sunrise to sunset. After all, we have to earn a living if we're going to pay for our groceries. Even Joseph was a carpenter, and Jesus was probably trained to be one, and Paul was a tent maker. So I'm not suggesting that you give up all your modes of transportation and quit your job and go become a monk. But if you want to do that, I can certainly talk to you about that. <laughs> However, the question for most of us, most of the time, is are we finding the right balance? Lent is a time for us to get back into balance. Are we spending enough time with God? Are we adequately focusing on serving our neighbors and those around us? The calling of this Lent is to build up our awareness of the presence of God, to build up our awareness of how connected we are to God, to the divine, to our neighbors, to the universe itself. We need to ask the questions, why? If, for example, we give up Lent this chocolate this Lent makes a little more sense. Why are we giving up the chocolate? Are we giving up chocolate so that every time we get on the scale we can see the numbers dropping? Or are we giving up chocolate because we want to remind ourselves every time that we have a craving that we are more than, than just what we consume? The point of Lent isn't simply self-flagellation each time you crave the caffeine you've given up. The point is, when you want coffee and you're forced to think about the fact that you've made a sacrifice, your mind will inevitably turn to God for a moment or two, bringing you back a little more into balance, a little more into an awareness of your relationship with God. When I served at a church in Dallas, I served with the archdeacon for the diocese, Deacon Rosemary. A few years ago, her granddaughter was running around our parish hall. She was holding a little prayer cross, a little holding cross. That's a cross that you can grasp as you pray. It's about this large. And Deacon Rosemary asked her granddaughter why she was running around the hall with this cross. And her granddaughter said to her, I know you told me that when I was baptized, the priest made the shape of a cross in my forehead but I can't see it anymore. So I'm holding this one as a reminder. On this Ash Wednesday, on this day, 
you and I will once again get to see this cross traced into our forehead as we are reminded of the assurance of our baptism, that we are claimed as God's own forever. And on this Ash Wednesday, on this day, we are reminded that our bodies are made up of elements that have slowly been forming and coalescing for over 13 billion years. And on this Ash Wednesday, on this day, we are reminded that since before time began, God knew each hair on our heads and called each of us beloved. So this Lent, as you take something on or as you give something up or as you decide on some sort of discipline, I encourage you to think about what you can do to get a little less caught up with the distractions in life and to focus a little more on how you can grow closer to 